Welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, a resource created by Lighthouse Family Retreat to strengthen families living through childhood cancer. You'll hear stories from families, educational information on childhood cancer, and most importantly, we will be there to encourage your family during your journey. So we are really grateful to be here today and super excited about our special guest. If you're part of the pediatric cancer world, chances are you've been encouraged and helped out by someone special in child life. And Lindsay Carrick is here with us today, and she is a child life specialist working directly with pediatric cancer patients and their families. Lindsay, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. I have to say that we are really, really big fans of Child Life. I might be Child Life's biggest fan, honestly. Right here. Number one <laughs> right fan. Right here. Number one it. fan. But I didn't even know it existed until I was in the hospital with my child. I'd never heard of what Child Life is. So let's just start there for anyone who is not aware. What is Child Life and what is your mission? So Child Life Specialists um, wear many hats. Uh, but our main goal is to be a supportive presence for patients and their families in the hospital or a similar setting. Um, so that looks like a variety of different things, but really focusing on keeping stress low and building coping skills to tackle any of the challenges that come their way throughout their experience in hospitalization. What's the background? Like what, what from an educational perspective, let's say someone's listening and they're just curious, hey, I'd, I might one day want to be in child life. What is the expectation from a, an educational background? Our background is in child development and family systems. So There is a certification process to become a child life specialist. And before you can even get certified and go through that process, there's required coursework that, you know, focuses on children in all ages and stages of development, their families. Um, And then that coursework coupled with clinical experience, almost similar to Uh, you know, doctors have to do their residency. Child life specialists have to do a clinical internship before we can get certified and start working. Uh, So we uh, come to the hospital setting with either a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in um, child life or a similar field. Okay. And I've been now in several different hospital settings where I've met with child life and there's different specific areas that you can focus, right? There's Um, whether it's oncology or different specialties. Uh, Do you have to do specific training for that? How does that work? Or is there a choice process when you come out and you're like, you know, I want to do be in these three areas or like, how does that typically work from a specialties perspective? So we're all trained the same, uh, not trained, you know, through school or through experience in specific areas. You do get a little bit of a taste of certain focuses such as oncology or cardiology when you do that internship experience uh, because we work under certified child life specialists in our internship. So you kind of get a feel of what you like and what you don't like. And then for most people, I would say the area that you end up in at least to start when you first get a job kind of depends on what's open and available. Uh, You may have a certain area that you are super passionate about and want to work in. And if you can find, you know, a job in that area, that's awesome. Or maybe something that you can work towards throughout your career. Uh, But for other people, they may not know where they fit best and you may move 
you know, through different units of the hospital. There's inpatient units, outpatient units, intensive care. Some hospitals have smaller programs where there's just one child life specialist that covers the entire hospital. Uh, so we're fortunate enough to have a large team where we can specialize very narrowly, uh, but that's not the case everywhere. You know, we've come in contact with a lot of kids through our organization, and I talk with a lot that have been through childhood cancer, and, and there's a good number that talk about how they want to one day be a, a child life specialist, and they're very specific. I want to be in child life in a children's hospital working in oncology. Uh, so I was always just curious, is there a direct path to that, or is it uh, or is it more like you explain more general, go through the education certification, and then you find your specialty? I think a lot of our um, specific training, you know, for me, I've worked in oncology for about four and a half years. And when I started, I think I knew, you know, the very basics. And the more that I've worked alongside our doctors and nurses and you know, with our patients and families who are going through it, I feel like I know so much more now just working on the job and getting to know what do these words mean and what are counts? Why are they so important? You know, all those little things that you may not know just looking at cancer on a piece of paper. I wanted to talk with you today about, you know, practically, like what you guys do practically. And the way that child life came into my life was through procedures. So I was in clinic. Um, we did not have a diagnosis yet, but we knew something was up and Carter had to have an IV. And I'll be honest, I'd like to say that I was like supporting him, holding his hand, but I had heard the word cancer and I, I can't explain it, but I just had like a checkout. Like I, I was in the room with him and I knew he was getting an IV and I made no, mo- like I just kind of checked out and this amazing angel of a person, Karen came in and she said, just quietly, would you like me to help? And I, I, that's not how I normally parent. And I, but I just was like, yes. And she sat with him and he got his first IV and she was so great. And I had no idea who she was. I did not, again, didn't know what child life was, but that was my first introduction to what child life does and helped with a lot of procedures as we went through treatment. So that's kind of where I wanted to start today is just talking about procedures and how you guys help with that. Yeah. So for kids, you know, big and small, sometimes it's a big 18 year old boy and sometimes a little baby and lots in between um, needles or, you know, any other type of procedure like an MRI, for example, can be really scary because a lot of kids come into the hospital hearing words that they don't understand or having misconceptions about what it's going to be like, or even knowing this involves a needle. I hate needles. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to cooperate. Um, so our job at, when it comes to focusing on procedures is sort of twofold. We like to start by being able to prepare a child in ways that make sense to them as a kid based on their stage of development. So they know exactly what to expect. <clears throat> And then two, be there to be sort of like their coach throughout the procedure to help talk them through it, remind them what's coming next, if that's helpful to them, or even distract them so that they feel like they have something fun or relaxing to focus on while they're going through this experience. How do you include parents in that process? So I think parents are really an integral part of the process because for kids, Their caregiver is their home base, their safe person. They feel the most comfortable when they're with their parent, especially in a stressful situation. So I love including parents and making sure that they are kind of front and center for procedures 
at least for kids of a certain age. So that may be the kids sitting in their lap or the kid might not feel comfortable right away talking to me about the procedure. So I might start out by, hey, mom, let me talk to you about what an IV is. And then when mom's interested, all of a sudden the kid's like, okay, maybe I can look at this stuff that this person brought in to show me. Uh, I find that when kids are unsure about a situation, their stress level is going to match the stress level of their parent. So if I can get buy-in from the parent and prepare even the parent to help them feel more calm, the kid's going to feel more calm as well. What are some tricks? And you said, you know, describing the treatment, which sometimes, like you said, it's scary. It's needles or scans, or they're going to be sleeping for a little bit. Are there like tools of the trade and tricks you do to kind of walk them through that so it's honest, but not too scary? Definitely. And I think that's where a lot of our developmental knowledge comes in. The language that I use to talk to a three-year-old about getting an IV or a port access is going to be totally different than what I would use for an eight-year-old or a 15-year-old. So kind of switching up my words to make a little bit more sense in a language that the kid would use themselves. You know, for an IV, I'm talking about the catheter with an 18-year-old, but a tubi with a three-year-old. But also sometimes language isn't the only way to communicate with a child. Kids communicate by play, they thrive on play, they have fun with play. So I like to incorporate play a lot into my preparation as well. I might bring in a doll and all of the medical supplies for that procedure that we wanna prepare the patient for and let them be involved in it. We're taking care of this doll, we're playing together, but we're also demonstrating what will be happening next. One of the things um, I had to learn as a parent um, is you guys are often really great about giving the child decisions along with the treatment. And I will be honest, I was always just like, um, he's six. This is how we'd like it to go. And I was quite frequently, you know, they would say, no, no, Carter gets to decide. And I was like, but he's six and, and this weighs faster and we can get out of here quicker. Why is it so important? for a little, for a kid that age to have decision-making? Why do they get a choice is, is actually what my question is. Yeah, that is a great question. And, you know, for some age groups or even particular kids, choices are not appropriate or helpful. But the majority of the time, I love to give kids choices because in this hospital setting, they are in a place where they did not choose to come, probably did not want to come, having to do a procedure or an experience that they did not choose to do, they're feeling like they have control over nothing. So in this situation where they don't get to choose whether or not they get this IV or this, you know, frightening experience, but they do get to choose little tangible choices throughout the experience about the way we do certain things. Like, for example, do you want me to talk to you while we're doing this? Or should we just focus on playing on the iPad? Or should we sing a song while we clean your port? Or should we uh, tell you a story? You know, little simple choices like that gives the child ownership over the experience. And they're able to verbalize for us simple ways to help them feel more comfortable and confident in the experience. 
As a mom or as a dad, a lot of times there's some stress at home knowing the experience is coming up. Like for, I know for a lot of kids, you get, you put your port cream on before you leave the house. That is a signal to kids of where they're going. When the port cream goes on and that press and seal goes over it, they're going in and they know they're going to have an access. Are there things parents can do at home or how can you work with parents? I never discussed stuff like that with my child life because I honestly didn't want to bother them or I thought that part of it was just my responsibility. And But talking with you earlier, I realized that there's a way to work together to kind of alleviate some of that stress. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of patients do start to experience anticipatory stress surrounding procedures or clinic visits or hospital experiences. So yes, little things like that, like putting on the cream can be a signal for even our littlest kids that, okay, I know what's coming next. So knowing that the hospitalization or clinic experience can be stressful, trying to keep the the experiences of things at home and predictable can be really helpful. Keeping the environment, you know, normal, like it would be when you're just at home on a normal day can be really helpful for kids because it shows them that even though this part of my life is a little bit unpredictable, overwhelming at times, can be scary, I know that when I'm at home, we're still going to have dinner at six o'clock and I'm still going to go to bed at this time. I'm still going to have my rules that I had before I was diagnosed with cancer and started coming for my treatments. Keeping things normal for kids at home can be really helpful and can translate positively to their experiences then when they're here in the hospital. What What makes your job easier? Oh man, that's an interesting question. I think what makes my job easier is buy-in from the family as a whole. I feel, I think I feel the most successful walking into a room when, you know, I come in, introduce myself to a kid for the first time and mom or dad or family member is excited and, you know, wants to participate, wants to be part of what we're talking about, you know, getting that support um, from the parent and the family along with the kid can be so helpful because it, again, it gives that kid confidence like, well, if my mom thinks this, what this lady's talking about is cool, then it probably is cool. Maybe I should listen and and check it out. Um, And just being able to have that collaborative experience. I think that sounds super important. Like if you've got everybody on the same page and like you were saying earlier, the kids stress level models, the parents will the kids' acceptance and, you know, and, and buy-in is going to model that of the, of the parents as well. How do you get in between when there's procedures because they have a way of doing things and then the kid wants it done a certain way and then you're kind of in the middle? Yeah. And I think, you know, I feel like I've definitely grown in that skill the longer that I've worked in my unit and, you know, had the opportunity to build relationships with my nurses and doctors you know, they know what I'm bringing to the table, but I also know, you know, a little bit more about what they are or aren't comfortable with or what can I or can I not promise to a kid. Um, so, you know, having that buy-in from staff to see like, oh, okay, when I call my child life specialist, like maybe the kids still cried, but they actually did sit still for this procedure. And that doesn't happen every time. But when you have that buy-in from your staff too, and you really are working as a unit, 
it really is cool to see, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work with really awesome staff who I'll walk in the room and they're like, all right, like, Lindsay, tell me, what does this kid want to, like, how should we do their port access today? And they're just there and ready to listen so much so that I feel confident that even when I can't, you know, be in every room at once, the nurses are so awesome about being like, oh, okay. Like I hear the questions that our child life specialist asks. I can still ask the kid, do you want to sit up or lay down? Do you want to watch the tablet or read a book? You know, they learn those things and can help create that experience, whether I'm there or not. And that's really, you know, my goal. My goal is to help every kid develop coping skills all on their own or, you know, with the help of their parent and their medical team where they don't need their child life specialist. They've learned what helps them and they can speak up for themselves and employ those skills on their own. One more thing on just the idea of what is child life and like what do you do and, and how you do it each day is, is there a specific child or or a, a pool of children that you're assigned to, or is it just whoever is on the floor that day, whoever's, if you're inpatient, outpatient, whoever's, whoever's in, uh, how does, how does it work with who you work with? At our hospital, we're broken up by unit or population. Um, so I personally work specifically with oncology patients in our outpatient setting. Um, but you know, on any given day, we have way more kids come through our clinic that I would be able to see. Um, so child life specialists work a lot, um, based on prioritization. So we look at who's coming today for what, and look at, you know, what we think the needs will be for that day. So we may have a patient who is coming to clinic that day to find out that they have cancer that, you know, is going to be at the top of my list of places that I need to be to help educate that child in terms that make sense so they know what cancer is and what treatment is to come. Um, And I may have a ton of kids coming for their port access. And I kind of have to look at, you know, I want to be able to be there for every kid that wants child life to be there. Sometimes I can't. So I have to look at you know, what kids do I know historically get really nervous about this experience? What kids do I know historically that think this is no sweat and kind of go from there? Yeah. And when I have the opportunity, uh, the most fun part of my job is just being able to hang out with kids and play and do things that are fun and make the hospital feel like a little bit more of a fun place or feel like they're just at home hanging out, playing, doing things they like to do. What's the most fun part <laughs> of your job? For me, my my most fun or I guess my favorite part of the job is getting to see the progression that kids make over time. Um, you know, not every child life specialist works with the same kids, you know, from week to week or month to month. But because I get to build those relationships and know kids over time, I may have a patient that starts out just so scared everything feels like a huge mountain to climb. And then, you know, a few weeks or a few months in, things are clicking and they're, you know, coming to clinic and smiling and greeting people and feeling like more confident in themselves and things are starting to feel easier and just getting to see that change in kids and, you know, feeling sometimes like I've had a part in helping them to feel more comfortable and confident is really cool to me. Well, I think you and what you do is a huge part of the reason that my child was never scared of clinic or of the hospital. And and that's why I love child life so much is he's now 19 and on his own. And, but he 
is not scared of hospitals, of doctors, of procedures. He has like a warm, fuzzy feeling. Like we'll pass the hospital and he will talk about memories he had that were really, really good. And I think a huge part of that is child life, just making it feel like a family. And, and he trusted you guys um, to tell him the truth and to walk him through things. And I'm super grateful for that. I like what you said about, you know, remembering that even though these are little people, um, you know, they still can know what's going on. It's important to tell the truth. And it's sometimes just about finding the right way to tell a kid the truth, even if it's a scary truth or a hard truth. Um, I think that the open, honest communication is so important. Lindsay, this has been great um, for our first episode with you. Thank you so much for sharing with us just more about what Child Life does, the role that Child Life plays, just providing some context because I know there's some folks that are going to be listening that um, they're new to Child Life and and they're trying to figure out all the different puzzle pieces and this is hopefully going to help lay the groundwork so that they know how to leverage and and utilize you and lean on you uh, in your role. So thank you for that. We're going to come back on the next episode and we're going to learn from you um, more about how do we talk to kids about um, cancer and so we're really looking forward to that one as well so thank you so much for joining us thank you guys for having me everybody thank you for listening today Uh, we really hope that you're getting some insight from Lindsay and that it was really helpful for you and there's good news we are back again with Lindsay next week and we're going to dive into communication and how to talk about cancer which is a really difficult topic Uh, So between now and then, if you'll do us a favor, go out and wherever you're listening to this, um, rate and review. That's important because that's going to help other families that are living through childhood cancer find this podcast and be encouraged through their journey. Uh, If you're a family that is going through childhood cancer and you want to learn more about how Lighthouse strengthens families, be sure to visit us at lighthousefamilyretreat.org. And we will see you guys later on the next episode.